freedom here is chuck paul and cc from a21 freedom chasers and so in the last episode our first episode we spoke a lot about what human trafficking was we defined that and we talked about what it looked like in our city in san antonio um, but we're going to take a step back and talk about a bigger picture and some of the problems we have legislatively chuck's going to help us understand some of those things so so the very first set of laws that came out about human trafficking was the Trafficking Prevention of Persons Act in uh, 2000. That's actually referred to as the TVPA, Trafficking Victims Preventions Act. Um, it defined what human trafficking is, what to, it defined what force, fraud, and coercion is, and that's, sometimes that's very hard to understand. So let me give you an example. Force is pretty easy to understand. If I was to, Cece, if I was to grab someone by the back of the neck and force them into a vehicle and then physically force them to do labor for me by standing over them with a weapon, that's force. Right. So fraud is a little bit different. Fraud is 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 involving if I promise someone something. So if I've got a if I'm the bad guy and I have a victim and I'm promising them a modeling job and telling them that the way they're going to get the modeling job is by posing nude or posing with very little clothing on and eventually I tell them, well, you're going to need to get the modeling job by sleeping with this modeling agent or sleeping with this person that's going to take your photograph. Then I've committed fraud where I've, I've got them working as a sex slave, but in actuality, I told them they were working as a model. That's fraud. Coercion is a little bit different. Coercion is commonly what we see with, uh, with people being blackmailed. Mm-hmm. We all know what blackmail is. Right. So that was what we talked about in the first segment. Let's say I, you know, I pretend to be someone who cares about you online and I get you to give, send me a provocative photograph. And then I threaten to use that provocative photograph, put that on a, a revenge porn site if you don't sleep with my friend. And then I have you sleep with my other friend. Well, now I've got you committing sex acts as a sex slave, but I'm using coercion to do that. Right. So the TVPA was the first act. To actually define that. Now, since then, several states have, have come up with additional laws to put things into place to provide for law enforcement for human trafficking. But what the big fall shortfall is has been across the country is is we spend a lot of money on law enforcement side, but we tend to forget the services side. And what that means is is that and this is what I get from law enforcement all the time. They can go out today and rescue five victims, but where do they take them? Yeah. Do you, would you would you know where to take a victim today here in San Antonio? Not if I wasn't working in this you know field now, but no. Right. So where do you take a victim? I mean, if they've got nowhere to go, there's no service providers for them. What's the sense in rescuing him? Because they're just going to end up right back on the streets. Right. Uh, there's a lot of money being spent on the forward end of of law enforcement, but this is not just law enforcement's job. This is everybody's job. Mm-hmm. This affects mothers, fathers, sister, brothers, aunts, uncles, grandmas, and grandpas. No matter what field of work that you're in, this can affect anyone we love. Like we said, the majority of victims in the United States are women and children. This could be anybody's mother, anyone's sister, anyone's brother that could be affected as a victim. So even something as simple as contacting your legislators, your leaders, your faith-based leaders, talking to your pastors, talking to your mayor, talking to your state, your your uh, city councilmen, talking to your community leaders, your county judges, your state leaders, sending notes, letters to your senators and congressmen. What are you doing about services for trafficking victims? That's where the fall, that's where the shortfall comes a lot of times. Yeah. 
I, I know that the more research I did in um, human trafficking and what it is is such a broad term. There's so much involved in it. Um, I quickly became aware of how this is everyone's problem. It's not just uh, human, you know, rights people. It's not just, um, you know, counselors. It's not just medical. I mean, it's everyone, even bankers, um, because there's money involved. Right. And, and it's, you know, Congress. It's... Uh, are political folks who can make real changes to legislative pieces. I mean, it's everyone's, it's moms, dads becoming aware, it's teachers, you know, helping out and identifying, and it's law enforcement. I mean, it's everybody's problem. So there's, you know, if you're a mom or dad, if you're a person, then you can become involved in this whole fight against human trafficking anywhere around the world. It, it doesn't even matter where you live. It's such a big problem in our city, but it's actually a big problem globally. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's, is we need to understand, this is big business. This is not something that's, you know, we often think about sex trafficking as the local pimp, uh, let's call him Huggy Bear. I'm mm -hmm. dating myself when I say that. And Huggy Bear has two or three girls working for him, and he gets the money from them having sex with people. Well, that's the old way of thinking. That's not the way things actually operate. So I can give you, in every single city in the United States, any trafficker that's operating has to pay the local gang what's called the dime or the street tax. If he doesn't, they'll kill him. Right. So what that means, like here in San Antonio, the street gang here that controls a lot of the businesses is, is called the Oli Holmes. And that's the ones with the backward spur or they got the 210 tattooed on them. Mm -hmm. So if, if a bad guy trafficker is out there and he's operating in San Antonio, even if he's from another part of the country, he knows he has to pay the street tax to the Oli Holmes. If not, the Oli Holmes get wind of what he's doing, he's gonna have, he's, they could possibly kill him. Yeah. So what happens there is that once they get that money, they don't get to keep it. They have to pay a portion of that money up to the local cartel that controls this area of Texas. Now here, the Mexican Mafia is the international group that controls a lot of the areas of this part of Texas. That's not the same in all of Texas. East Texas, you've got the Texas Syndicate up north, you've got the Texas Syndicate out east. You also have a big influence from the Aryan Brotherhood. So it's not just international gangs. Right. It's Aryan Brotherhood, it's the Hells Angels. I mean, these are bigger gangs. Mm -hmm. But eventually that, of course, is paid back to the cartels because the cartels are then being, they're using drugs, they're buying drugs, they're buying weapons, they're money laundering. This feeds into major international crimes. And in some cases, you have to remember the drugs come from areas like Pakistan and and Afghanistan and the Middle East where we're fighting a war over there against terrorists like Al-Qaeda mm -hmm. that they're being funded by selling opium to the cartels who then get money back through the sex trade and, and drug trade chains. So the shortened version is is that we think we're just the individual you know, that's out there and has the resources thinks he's satisfying his sexual urges he's really supporting terrorism right and international slavery right with every dollar that's spent on this this is a very lucrative criminal industry this is moving money back and forth and like you said it affects everybody at every single local chain mm -hmm. 
I one of the things that you know because like you mentioned that when you fund or you, you you know someone who is buying someone for sex is thinking that oh this is just a girl this is just a boy um, but we have seen I know that you and I have talked about this before where the people that are buying these folks for sex acts and sexual favors there is no actual profile for them it's anyone and everyone we've seen doctors we've seen realtors we've seen pastors we've seen you know just about anyone so there's no actual profile for these folks that are out there buying sexual favors no there isn't and the, the problem we run into is that we first have to remember that the individuals that are buying these sex they're not sex favors they're paying money to rent to let rape a child or a woman let's just call it what it is right they're paying to rent someone to rape Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually not what I like to call. Uh, they don't go out there with the with the means of being a sexual predator. Yeah. Um, commonly, what they are is they're situational predators, because we have a overall uh, permission in our society that guys could be sexually aggressive. There's a, an underlying permission here in our society that we need to address, and the Me Too movement is beginning to address that. Right. But what we usually see with these, and these are individuals that have the financial resources first off. So they have to have the financial resources. So it's, it's not commonly someone who's poor. It's mm -hmm. usually someone who has a professional. They have financial resources. Like we said, doctors, lawyers, pastors. Mm -hmm. um, what I would commonly see like here in San Antonio, the three biggest areas that sex trafficking occurs, airport area where you have businessmen coming in and out, Riverwalk, where you have tourists coming in and out, people with financial resources, and believe it or not, the medical center, which you have a high concentration of, of professionals with money. Yeah. These are doctors. These are medical professionals. So commonly, let's say the common, with the, let's the airport area, for example, you've got an individual, let's say they're here in San Antonio on a business conference, and they go all day at the business conference, and they go back to their room, and they've had a few drinks with their friends they decide they want to look at porn well they don't want to look at porn on the tv there in the hotel room because it's going to show up on their expense account it's going to show up as they've been looking at porn and their biz their boss is going to go why are you spending money looking at porn company money looking at porn well all i gotta do is get the cell phone out and everybody knows you get the cell phone out and they can look at free porn online yeah well they look at that free porn online on that cell phone if you go to those sites that do the free porn, the whole time they're looking at the, they're looking for which type that they want to look at. These ads are popping up, and the ads are actually underwritten with programming code, depending on what category you click on. So if you click on um, the category of teen, well, an ad's going to pop up, and it's actually going to be a girl that looks rather young, and she's going to be naked from the waist up, and she's going to have her hands together, and she's going to be begging you to call her. And it's going to say Sarah is less than a mile away. Well, Sarah may look a little bit like the girl that you used to date in high school. You know, the one that got away, the one you've always thought about. And you click on that, and all of a sudden it says, well, sign up here, and you get to have private messaging back and forth with Sarah. So you click on that, and of course it says, well, to verify that you're 18 years old or older, you get, we have to put your credit card information in here. But we're not going to charge your credit card with anything. And even if it does get charged, it's going to look. As, it's going to come up as a charge, as a massage charge, or for flowers. Right. So they clicks on it, he signs up. The guy may be put. He may create a fake Yahoo account. You know, Fred Jones is his fake Yahoo account. He's going to have all that email go because he's tech savvy. But he puts a credit card account in there. 
Well, now he can talk back and forth with Sarah, and he may actually talk to Sarah, Sarah and Tiffany and Samantha and all these different girls that are less than a mile away from him because you have, you know, there's coding that you can put into the, for targeted right. advertising. Yeah. But he's, he hasn't actually, he's not actually talking to these girls. He's talking to the trafficker. Yeah. And this trafficker will set up a date, and that girl will be delivered to that hotel room where this guy is at as a date. Now, mind you, he didn't go into there with intending to buy a child to rape. He went into that whole process of just wanting to look at porn. But it's that slippery slope, that slow descending slope. This is how things are we people we buy into things yeah. we're not we don't go in pretending to be bad but it slowly gets that way so now he's made that choice of talking to sarah now he's rather worked up about it he can't believe sarah's going to be to his room in 30 minutes oh and by the way this trafficker has ratings on there it tells you exactly what sex acts sarah will perform and she's not going to perform sex acts that he could commonly get there at home with his wife no, she's going to engage in sex acts that he saw on the pornography, right. which means all those violent things he saw in pornography that he never thought he'd be ever be able to experience. For $200, $300, he gets to experience those things. But Sarah has not become a person at this point. Sarah's become a fantasy. Yeah. But that's a real person behind that fantasy who he's going to do horrible things to and then go home to his wife. Yeah. Justification is, well, she looked a lot like the girl I went to high school with, and she told me she was just working her way through college. And so there's a lot of fraud there that goes on too, right? With oh. the, a lot of manipulation from the trafficker to the person that's actually buying and, right. um, you know, wanting these services from these young girls. Um, I know that me and some of the team members that I have on A21 Freedom Chasers had an opportunity to uh, join the justice rally with Elijah Rising during the Super Bowl mm -hmm. uh, in 2017 down in Houston when, when the Super Bowl was happening there. And um, that's one of the things we actually worked on. Um, we had some phone calls on Backpage.com. So some of these girls are listed on there for specifically for the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were actually doing intervention on calling the girls that were listed on backpage.com. We were able to rescue a few and, and then some others, we were able to make phone calls out to the local human trafficking division to go check on them because just their voice was like, I mean, a child. I mean, you could tell they were not 18, not even 16. It was really, really sad. And then the fear in their voice when we were talking to them, because they expect men to call them, mm -hmm. and we were women. Um, so, yeah, it was very interesting. We did two types of intervention. We did um, where we were calling the actual ads, and then we did opposite where we were calling we were setting up fake profiles on Backpage, and we were calling the men that were looking up those ads and talking to them about what this actually was. Um, and it was so interesting. So the intervention was done through um, Rescue Houston. They actually have a hotline in Houston um, that you know, is specific to the Houston area, um, and they very, work very closely with the Human Trafficking Division there um, in the Houston area. And so they have a whole script for these men because um, it's a faith-based organization to repent on the phone and you have a conversation with them about how this does not honor Christ. So I was really impressed with that whole script. Um, and there was actually a few men who felt convicted. Um, they, they were sorry for the things they did and others were 
you know, just <laughs> shocked at what was going on on the phone. Um, and then one of the other interventions we did was actually going out to the uh, strip clubs in um, Houston and talking to the men that were coming in about, you know, the Super Bowl was coming up, why were they coming and things like that. It was it was crazy how many men, I mean, like I can tell you that 95% of the men coming in were wearing business suits. Some of them were wearing medical coats. And then there was so many of them who saw us and we were wearing normal clothing and turned around and left. I mean, it's, they didn't even walk it. They didn't want to be associated with being there at the time because they saw us and they walked away quickly. Like, they just left. <laughs> well, that's because this, we have to remember that this used to be a crime of the shadows. Yeah. But the internet has made this a crime of opportunity. Right. Because in the old days, that same individual, that professional man, if he wanted to go have sex with a child, rent a child to rape, he would have to get in his car and drive down to the red light district, Yeah. whatever that street is. Well, back in the day, the police officers used to patrol that red light district. So if they see an older professional male, middle-aged professional male driving around down there, they know what he's there for. He doesn't live there. Yeah. And they could stop him and say, dude, what are you doing? So there was a level of shame involved with that. And as you notice, there's a level of shame involved with, with the gentleman that walked to the strip club. Right. And that was the regulating factor we used to have before human trafficking really blew up. The reason why it blew up is because of the internet. Right. Because yeah. now that same individual, like I said, he never has to leave the comfort and safety of his five-star hotel room yeah. or his two-star hotel room. He never has to leave. Mm -hmm. Everything's delivered to him. Right. And these guys are using rideshare services. They don't just... The, the traffickers are smart. They've got Uber apps and Lyft apps and what have you. And they'll order a car and Uber will deliver the child or Lyft to deliver the child to uh, the hotel. And But if you look at these ads and look at these young people, these ads are not, I mean, it's Backpage. It's Erotic Monkey. It's mm -hmm. There's so many of these ads. And they use dating websites, too. They'll use Match.com. They'll use uh, Tinder. They don't care. They'll use yeah. Facebook. Well, even Craigslist. Craigslist. Craigslist was a huge component component of that early on. Right. It's crazy. And it's like, it's it's there. It's You can see it. You know it. It's not even hidden anymore. It's no. just there. And people ask, why don't the police do something about it? These are thousands of ads that are being posted all the time. And it's literally, there's not enough law enforcement in the country to go after all this. But when you look at these pictures, when you click on these pictures, which I don't suggest doing, but when you click on these pictures, it's obvious that this is a child. Right. There's no question that you're looking at a child. I mean, if this these children, they look like 13, 14, 15, 16 years old. They don't look like they're 21. The ad may say 25. You click on it, you're going, that's a little girl. That's a little boy. Right. And they advertise both. That's why these, these victims, the characteristics of these victims, these victims are the most vulnerable in society. So... Like the most vulnerable in society right now are throwaways, runaways, and foster youth. They are the most vulnerable youth in society. Okay, a throwaway youth is defined as that child that gets thrown out of their house for whatever reason. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of those children are LGBTQ kids, mm -hmm. uh, children that identify as being uh, gay, lesbian, or bisexual, yeah. uh, even transgender. And they may come from a household that doesn't believe in that or, right. or is against that. So the parents tell them, if you want to be that way, out the door you go. Yeah. Well, when you're throwing your 15-year-old out the door because they think they're gay 
or you know they made a decision that they're going to live this lifestyle right you're throwing them out to the wolves these yeah. individuals are literally waiting for them around the corner at the bus stop that's not a figuratively they're literally waiting there right they're patrolling the skate parks they're patrolling the malls they're patrolling the bus stops they're looking for that individual's looking for a place to go the runaway kid is the run kid that run away for whatever reason unfortunately a lot of these kids that run away they're running away from something bad yeah so the choice between something so they run away from something bad let's maybe say they're being abused at home sexually physically or neglected or they've seen a lot of domestic violence or they're, they're having a problem with homelessness they run away this individual is going to promise them the world they're going to meet them at the bus stop at the at the mall and they're going to promise them everywhere. They're going to start out with giving them a place to stay. They may even start out with meeting them at the mall. And that first day, they're buying them clothes, getting their hair done, their nails done, all those really nice things. And that night, they're going to say, baby, I spent all my money on you. And and now you got to do something for me. I'm going to take right. you to the strip club. And he takes her and he puts her on stage at the strip club. And then afterwards, he hands her, he's, he tell, hands her a hamburger, a happy meal, literally a happy meal. And says, baby, I got somebody who wants to meet you. And you're going to do this for daddy because I spent all this money on you. And that very first day, they woke up that morning when they ran away from their own bed. That night, they're in a hotel room with somebody who's paying to rape a child. And then foster youth, unfortunately... Foster youth are very vulnerable. They've already been ripped from their household. Yeah. Uh, not to saying that the system's bad, but let's talk a little bit about the system. Yeah. This is very important. Mm -hmm. And this is across the country. Let's say that you're 11 years old, and for whatever reason, CPS shows up at your door, and you have to leave your house, and you have two younger siblings. So the very first place you're going to go is, let's say, your grandma's house. So you go to grandma's house, and you're there for... You know, a couple of months while CPS is trying to work with your mom and dad. So you went from your very first placement, which is your home, to your second placement, which is grandma's house. Your first caregiver, which was your parents, then your second caregiver, which is grandma. Mm -hmm. So you're there, and you're, and you have a new caseworker. You have what's called a family-based safety services caseworker because it's the same caseworker that originally investigated the case. Somebody else does a different job of working with your grandma. You don't know the difference. You're 11. Right. Okay. So then you have to leave there because for whatever reason, mom and dad aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. So now you have a new caseworker. You're going to an emergency shelter. You have a new set of caseworkers. You have a new set of caregivers. You have a new place to live. It's only been 90 days, three yeah. months. You've lived in three different places and had multiple different people taking care of you. And every time you transition from there to a group home, to another shelter, to a foster home, your caregivers change, your caseworkers change, your placement changes, and you don't realize that all these people have different jobs. So at the time, 18 months goes by, and that's a federal law. Yeah. 18 months goes by, and your parents still aren't doing what they've been doing, supposed to be doing, and they've had all the extensions in the world, and it's only been a year and a half since the day you woke up in your bed that morning and then you had to leave. You may have had... You may have lived a dozen places, had two dozen different case managers and case workers, and you didn't know the difference between any one of those people. Right. Some worked for the placement, some worked for the shelter, some worked for CPS. Yeah. You're pushing 13 years old. You're starting to get a little bit of an attitude because mm -hmm. you've been bouncing around all over the place. Oh, and by the way, those two younger siblings, they're back with grandma mm -hmm. because 
grandma is starting to deal is they're was worried about their safety but it's going well you're older now you're 13 you can take care of yourself yeah oh and every time you move from place to place do you think you had luggage remember you left your parents house no what do you think they used to put all your stuff into when they moved you from place to place some bag or something trash bag yeah so I want you to think of the mentality of that. Yeah. Every time you move from place to place, everything you own was put into a trash bag, and you kept moving from place to place over a year and a half. So what's the message? Nobody wants you. Right. I'm disposable. You're disposable. Yeah. You're trash. Mm-hmm. No one cares about you. And do you think you have a right to sue the system? No. You don't know the system you don't know what's going on with it, but the system is broken, but the system's not trying to be mean. It's just set up that way because yeah. one person can't do all that work. Right. But you don't know. You're almost 13 years old. Yeah. So then you go to your new placement and you're online and you're on the computer or your iPad or your phone and you're going, I hate my life. I hate CPS. I hate the system. I hate everything about it. And then this guy comes on and he says, Tell me about it, baby girl. Mm-hmm. And suddenly you have someone that starts talking to you like a person yeah. and starts treating you like you're important and telling you how important you are. And over a matter of a couple of months, he's telling you how much more mature you are than other 13-year-olds and how pretty you are and how if you were his girl, he would take care of you and he can't believe the system did this to you and how much he loves you and cares about you. And you... Th- Guess what? This is the first person that's ever said that to you in 18 months or two years. Right. And how, what do you, how do you think you're going to react? They're definitely going to have my attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he says, baby girl, you know, if you come see me, I'll hook you up. I'll take care of you. We'll have that life. Yeah. They run. Mm-hmm. They run. And in no time flat, he's got that child working as a sex slave. He's working that child as a sex slave. And then he tells that child, tell the child, listen, when you get caught, baby girl, you know, I'm the only one that loves you. I'm the only one that cares about you. Everybody else has shown that they don't. Oh, and even if you tell them what's happening, what I'm having you do, they're going to call you a whore. And they're going to put you in jail. And they're going to treat you like garbage like they already have. You got nowhere to go but me. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to go back to CPS because we want to get some other girls working for us. So get some of your friends at CPS to come work for me. And then, baby girl, you won't have to. You can just manage them for me. You can be my bottom girl. That's terminology. Mm-hmm. And then you won't have to do all this. You won't have to sleep with the old man anymore. You won't have to wait, have the old man rape you anymore and that's how they build their business that's a business model it's actually there's actually training out there called pimpin 101 and this guy starts out the training saying i can get anybody to sell themselves for me i can get your mama to sell herself for me but it would take me a year of investing in your mama to get her to sell herself for me i can turn a runaway out in 48 hours so this is how they recruit (laughs) yeah so what, what these guys don't understand that are buying these children to rape, these women to rape, is you're dealing with a human being. You're not buying a fantasy. And right. that money's going to go up to a terrorist organization eventually or to some criminal organization. You've dehumanized the entire process. Sex was made to feel good for a reason because it's supposed to be in a loving relationship between love and right. compassion. Yeah. 
but it's not meant to be a dominating factor or something that's brutal or aggressive. And that's what these guys pay for. Yeah. When I interview these victims, they're they're being forced to do things that are horrible and violent. So, did you um, have you are our ranking, and sorry, I, I, I'm kind of a little shocked by this, but we are second in the nation in the state of Texas. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in the next uh, segment. Um, if you're listening to this and are trying to figure out um, how we became such a, how, how this whole human trafficking issue became such a bad issue, um, there's there's several things that you know have made this as bad as it is. Um, yes, legislatively, yes, there's organized crime and all of these things. Um, but there's a lot of factors involved, and we'll go over why Texas is the second um, worst state in the nation in the next segment. But um, Chuck, thank you for all of your uh, experience and your expertise on the issue. We really appreciate you talking to us about this and educating us. I think it's it's ugly to hear, it's heartbreaking, but it's needed. We, we definitely need to know what we're dealing with so we know how to fix it. Thank you. Yeah.